0: say a good story. I'm Emily. And I'm Rebecca, and we are welcoming you
1: back for season two. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, so it's exciting to be back. We've had a little bit of a break, but it's summer now, and you all deserve our beautiful thoughts about things. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. So yeah, this first is going to be a little bit different to normal. Basically, because we've had a break... We're gonna give you a bunch of quick fire favourites, so things that we have consumed over the past couple months or however long we've been off. I don't remember at this point.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, just we're gonna catch you up with where we're at, what we're what we're doing, what we're liking. Yeah. And catch each other up too, which will be nice. Yes.
0: So. Have you got a quick fire favourite for us? (laughs) Yes, my first one is not going to be a surprise to anyone. (laughs) It's Shadow and Bone! (laughs) Who could have guessed? Yeah, so it's a Netflix show. I've already watched it twice. (laughs) I think it came out end of April, and I'll I'll try and summarise it. It's one of those shows that has like multiple plot lines, but essentially there is a huge swath of darkness splitting the country of Ravka in two, and the only way to banish the fold, as it's called, is for this mythical figure, I guess, the Sun Summoner, to banish it. And main character Alina discovers that she is the Sun Summoner, and the series is basically following the chain reaction of events that come from that discovery.
1: And it is fucking good!
0: Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's like a world of its own magic system in Grisha, which is what Alina is, loads of different like political standpoints. So there's a big criminal underworld which leads to heists. <laughs> um, there's a really cute goat. <laughs> there is a really cute goat. <laughs> it's got everything you could possibly need. So yeah, the series takes Shadow and Bone, which is a trilogy by Leigh Bardiggo and her duology, Six Across, and basically mashes them into one story. So it's not a strict page-by-page adaptation. Instead, it's a slightly different plot but it still hangs on to all the important beats in the story so like the important character arcs, relationship dynamics, like the big plot points. And I've only read Six of Crows which takes place after Shadow and Bone or after the Shadow and Bone books. Mm. So all the plot with the crows in the show is prequel so it's fun seeing what they get up to (laughs) before the events of Six of Crows. Yeah that is cool. And they've also done Really incredible foreshadowing for the crows. Like, if you don't know their characters, then you probably wouldn't have noticed the details. But if you do know them, there's so many like blink and you miss it moments that point at what's going to happen, which is exciting because you know that they're going to tackle certain storylines. <laughs> so
1: exciting! It is really good show. Like the second time that you watched it, obviously was with me. Yes. Um, and I knew that I would like it, but I mm. liked it more than I expected to.
0: Yeah, like I feel like it's quite a fun show. Yeah, like, it's, it's dark, really but it's fun. Like, I think you get to know the world quite well. They're, they've done the world
1: building really well and really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, like,
0: you catch on immediately to what's yeah. going on. It's
1: not hard to follow, which is good.
0: Yeah, and that was something I actually said to you when we started watching it. was like, I'm interested to know if you catch on as quickly as I did, because obviously I know the yeah. world. But like yeah, that's good to know. Also, I just want to talk about the costuming because it's so so Casbrecker's crow cane is beautiful mm-hmm. and his leather gloves have like a crow feather pattern on them. So like when he places his hand on top of the cane, it like has the effect of a whole crow with its feathers. I also just saw that his cane will probably be upgraded. So right now it's like like I said, it's quite a like, beautiful mm. design, it's got a little gemstone on the eye, but in the book it's described as like a lot scarier looking mm. and apparently as the series goes on and Kaz becomes like more ruthless and more violent, the cane will change and reflect that. That's so cool. Oh, I just love that they care about the details like mm. that because I care about the details like that. And also the keftas which the Grisha wear are gorgeous, they're all hand-embroidered. The Sun
1: Summoner Kefta is amazing. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. They all have this like symbolism like woven into them because there's all these different kinds of Grisha and all the different Keftas like tell you what each person is and yeah, I could just go on and on about So for question. anyone that's
1: like not familiar with the Grisha verse but might, like me, have been <laughs> familiar with Avatar the Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. It is like all the element benders and then yeah, magic. magic. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, it's called the small science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, like, mm. I was pleased... Like, I did not know that. I didn't realise that. I knew that it was magic, but I didn't know it was element-based yeah, it magic. Sounds, and yeah. that, like, scratches such a good itch in my brain. And then all their, like, costumes reflect the elements that they work with, and it's just so cool.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before, but I thought I'd just reiterate that I love how much the cast and the creators of the show clearly... No one loved the books because, again, it's not like a strict page by page adaptation, but the heart and soul of it is still there. And I think because they all love the books so much, like that's not something that's going to change. Like each character or each actor understands their character so well. And I'm like blown away by the casting because I think they're all spot on. Freddy just embodies Kaz. Amita plays this assassin struggling with her faith so well, mm-hmm. and Carl is such an incredible Matthias, I think he has the most like, expressive face and I think you can really see the struggle of a man questioning his entire life's morals and like, the slightest movement <laughs> of his face. Yeah, he's amazing and I could go on and on but I'm just really in love with the cast and I'm excited to see who they cast for Nikolai and Wylan because... I love those characters and I think they are like fan favourites. So that's exciting. And then just to end, because I know I'm rambling, I thought I'd just list off some moments that I love without context, so there's no spoilers. So I loved Kaz and Aneja's first interaction that we see, including mm-hmm. his smirk as he walks past the stolen decapo on his wall. I love the whole episode of the crows travelling across the fold with Milo the goat <laughs> and <laughs> Jesper's like badass moment in that episode. I love the flashback of Mal getting in a fight so he can get some revenge for Alina, but also just to see her. And I love the scene where Nina makes Matthias smile out in the snow. So yeah, there's loads of moments, but those are the first that came to my mind. So yes, thoroughly obsessed. It'll probably be a long wait to season two, because they've not even confirmed that there will be a season two. (laughs) There's got to be a season two, though. I feel like there must be, because all the marketing that they are doing is insane Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure it's still in the top 10 like netflix lists so i I, think there will be a season two
1: i've not read the books and i've not intentionally consumed any content and my social media is Mm. still full of it yeah so
0: like it is everywhere yeah netflix are going ham (laughs) with the shadow and bone (laughs) content so yes that's my shadow and bone rant over i really liked it nice what is
1: your first
0: quickfire favorite
1: my first quickfire favorite is Goldfrapp. So do you do you know Goldfrapp? Yes. Yes. So I'm not a huge dance music fan. So I've always obviously heard of Goldfrapp, mm. never really taken much notice of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought, well, A, that band has a cool name. <laughs> and B, the girl who it turns out is Alison Goldfrapp had this like mental blonde curly hair. And mm-hmm. I've like seen her on her album covers and whatever and thought like, she looks cool. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I'm not really into dance music. But I was given the CD of their fourth album, Seventh Tree, for my car, and I can see why now <laughs> because oh my God, it's amazing. So albums from 2008,' <laughs> it's like it's not new, but it's so dreamy and it's not dance music. Mm-hmm. It was their first album that wasn't dance music, right? So yeah. it's like after all that, it's more like ambiently like, down-tempo dream pop mm-hmm. and it's like really sensual and nature inspired so right. obviously i love it but i was reading about it because i'm obsessed and it's apparently drawn from loads of surrealist children's books Ooh. like all of the imagery and stuff yeah in it, which i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs> and like the dre- like actual dreams of alison Goldtrap mm-hmm. that she's had and so much of the imagery in the lyrics is to do with like trees and water and just being like immersed in nature. Um, and I've been outside a lot more recently because I stopped working at nighttime. <laughs> so it's just been like the perfect accompaniment to driving about outside. And what has surprised me about it that like doesn't happen a lot is that I love it even though it's not a lyric heavy album. Mm-hmm. So like the songs aren't narrative storytelling. They're much more abstract and normally I'm much more into like ballad singer, songwriter yeah. thingies. But it kinda doesn't need that. It like the music is so beautiful that you don't really need the lyrics. They're just kind of there to mark yeah your way through it. But that said I thought I would just share some of my favourite lyrics from it because why not? <laughs> so <laughs> jumping off your crows, <laughs> this is from a song called Little Bird. And it's the second verse, because obviously I love a second verse. (laughs) And it's about wings. Shock, because I love wings. (laughs) And it just goes, The shiny blackest crow flew in to say hello. Though much to her surprise, he had two mouths for eyes. She understood his words. That crow was very pleased. He gave to her his wings, and now she is free.
0: Oh, I
1: love that. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It did actually make me think of Inej. Yeah, well. like he gave to her his wings and now mm. she is
0: free. I have to add that to the Sex of playlist. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: really beautiful, but like I think what I like about it is like you can even tell from me saying the lyrics there, it is very like childlike, mm-hmm. it's very like, doo, 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 Yeah. but the music is so slow that it's yeah. like, that's cool. dreamy. And then there's the song called Happiness, and this gives me major like midsummer cult <laughs> vibes. Okay listen to this this is just like a wee excerpt from it but floating in the magic world donate all your money we'll make it better we're here to welcome you Mm. we can see your troubled soul give us all your money we'll make it better we're here to welcome you and it's called happiness it's so sinister (laughs) i love it (laughs) Another bit that I love is the very first lines from a song called A&E, which was a single, and I think like if you heard it, you would know it. Mm. But the first lines are, It's a blue, bright blue Saturday And the pain has started to slip away I'm in a backless dress On a pastel ward that's shining Think I want you still But it may be pills at work mm. um, And I just... The first time I heard it, it's very like shimmery music, mm-hmm. and that line like I'm in a backless dress sounds so glamorous, and then you hear that bit that's like on a pastel ward, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it takes a turn. <laughs> yeah, it really does. You sh- I should have known because the song is called Annie, but like yeah, I didn't know that when I first heard it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And the last lines of a song called Some People, which might be my favorite, which is just. And what you thought you lost was just mislaid. All the poems written in your skin. I like that. That is nice. I love. It. And what you thought you lost was just mislaid. Mm. Yeah. That's funny, I mean. it's got really like, good vocabulary in it for an album that's not like lyric heavy. All the yeah. words are interesting. Which I.
0: Yeah, they all sound very like well thought out. Mm-hmm. Like they were picked on purpose because there's not many of them. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that.
1: Anyway, that was nice. That seventh tree. <laughs> what's your next one
0: so i actually have a book to mention which is not normally something we'd class as a quickfire favorite but it's the second book in a trilogy Mm. so i don't want to do an episode on it but i don't want to not mention it because i loved it Mm. so it's chain of iron by cassandra clare which is the second book in her the last hours trilogy Mm -hmm. so if anyone knows the shadow hunter universe this series follows the children of the characters in the infernal devices trilogy So it's set in London right at the start of the 1900s. It's urban fantasy, so a real-life setting but filled with a demon hunter race and warlocks and vampires and werewolves and ghosts and many other creatures. (laughs) And it's just a delight. And by delight, I obviously mean like soul-destroying and highly emotional. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think Cassie Clare's writing gets stronger the more she writes. I think you can see that in this series, which is very complex. The books are long and intricate and I think if I listed like all the separate character journeys in this series, you'd think it was like a mess to read. Mm. But it's not. It's all like woven together in a way that like all the plots just bleed into one and it's oh it's just a satisfying read to see them all like come together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cause it's the middle of the series I don't want to like mention plot too much, oh, uh-huh. but some like story things that feature are a writer trying to learn like necromancy so she can bring her ghost boyfriend to life, Mad. a marriage that is fake but leads to real love, Such um, a good drop. Yeah, demon grandfathers, a girl who can control boys. There's a character who's an alcoholic and he can't see how much people love him and care about him and it's like one thousand percent gonna break my heart. And there's also just like all the romance, like heterosexual romance, queer romance, interracial romance. One alive, one dead <laughs> romance. So good. I just realized um, no
1: one could see the look that we shared on my <laughs> <all up. laughs>
0: See one thing i did want to discuss a little which i just think is really cool is that this series or at least one kind of like strand of plot in this series is inspired by great expectations which you guys all know is like one of my favorite books and i could definitely see the influences in the first book chain of gold but this one i think is so interesting to read as a fan of great expectations because basically cassie clare takes the plot of Miss Havisham teaching Estella how to make boys fall in love with her in order to break their hearts mm. into her urban fantasy world. So it's not just about charm, and it's instead about an actual magic charm that compels the boys. And I, yeah, I don't want to go into it too much but I could honestly just like write a dissertation <laughs> on all wow. the ways she has used influences by great expectations in this series because it is an art form. So yeah, maybe when the trilogy's finished, I'll like do an episode on it or something.
1: That would be cool. Every time you mention that, like, charming boys, controlling boys, I hear the bit from Jennifer's body <laughs> that's like, you're killing people. No, I'm killing, killing boys. <laughs> Which is used at the start of a Halsey song called mm. Killing Boys.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I thought I'd just end by reading out a quote because I want to. Yeah. So... <laughs> This scene is between Lucy and Jesse, so a bit of context and none of this is spoiler because it's established early on in the first book. Lucy is a shadow hunter, demon hunter, but because her mother is a warlock, she also has the power to command the dead. Right. She and a ghost, Jesse, have been in love with each other for a very long time but neither have admitted it and Lucy is trying to, as I said earlier, find a way to resurrect him because He's not a normal kind of ghost, but that's spoilers, okay. so I'll just leave it at that. So, just before this scene, Jesse has read some of Lucy's novel that she's writing. She's writing a story called The Beautiful Cordelia for her best friend Cordelia, oh. which is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heart. Yeah. It's like, it's so sweet because you see little snippets of it, and it's like, the beautiful Cordelia has made another man fall in love with her and she's walked away because she is too good for him. <laughs> like so it's, it's so cute. But yeah, in the beautiful Cordelia there's the brave Lucinda and Lord Jethro who are obviously fantasy versions mm-hmm. of her and Jesse. So Jesse reads this and is a bit like what? <laughs> so yeah, this is just a bit of like a makeup scene between the two of them. It's oh, such a hefty <laughs>
1: It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. I've never seen pure black sprayed edges before. Mm.
0: It's longer than I remember it being. But well, Let's we'll go just for it. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, have a cup of tea, <laughs> enjoy yourself. Okay, the snow began coming down harder as Lucy passed the silent, deserted bulk of the British Museum. It gleamed palely behind its railings, the stately columns of its entrance frosted all over with a thin layer of ice. A tickle started at the base of her spine, the feeling of being watched. Her breath puffed out in a cold white cloud as she spun around, her hand going to a dagger at her waist. He was there, a dark shape against a background of white snow and ice-frosted buildings. The snow fell all around him, but did not touch him. Not his dark hair or his perennial costume of white shirt and black trousers you startled me she cried her heart pounding Jessie smiled thinly well i am a ghost i could have jumped out from behind the museum and shouted boo but i restrained myself she had begun to shiver i thought you didn't want to see me again i never said that it was as if he stood beneath a shield of glass she thought the snow drifting away from him as though he and the space he occupied were not really there. His eyes, though, were as keen and thoughtful as ever. In fact, I was curious as to how Princess Lucinda and Lord Jethro were getting along. Without looking at him, Lucy started off at a brisk walk. Don't make fun of me. I wasn't, he said mildly, joining her as they made their way down High Holborn, picking through the slush churned up by the last few homebound carriages and turned down Chancery Lane. There is no traffic at all here, the silent pavement sparkled with a white, fragile layer of snow. I'd just like to see you for a bit. Lucy rubbed her hands together. They were cold even through the gloves. I can't imagine why. You made it very clear how you felt. Did I? He said in a low voice. And then, for that, I need to apologise. Lucy brightened up. Oh, well, if there are going to be apologies... His green eyes flashed amusement. Surely you aren't out on patrol dressed like that. Lucy looked down at the pale green chiffon peeking out from under her coat. I dressed this way for a party, she said lightly, and I went to a party. And now, like a proper young lady, I'm being escorted home from a party. Was it a proper party then? Certainly not. There's nothing wholly proper about any event hosted by Anna Lightwood, but that's what makes her party so good. "'I've never been to a party,' Jessie said. "'I would have loved to have attended one of hers.' "'You were at the ball when you first came to London,' Lucy reminded him. "'True, but I couldn't dance, couldn't taste the food or the wine.' He cocked his head to the side. "'You're the writer,' he said. "'Describe the party to me.' "'Describe it.' They turned onto St Bride's Lane. The neighbourhood was smaller, cozier. The snow gave the cobbled streets a fairy tale feel. Icicles hung from the corners of half-timbered houses, and through leaded glass windowpanes glowing fires could be seen. Lucy put her chin in the air. I will take your challenge, Jessie Blackthorn. I shall describe tonight's party to you in such detail that you will feel as though you had been there. She launched into description, painting the scene as if she were writing in her novel. She embroidered on conversations, making them funnier than they had been. She described the taste of everything on offer, from the flakiness of the pastries to the fizziness of the punch. She wove a picture of the outrageous polka-dotted cravats Matthew had paired with striped silk trousers and a magenta vest. She remembered that Jesse hadn't met Filomena, and she told him all about the young Italian girl and her vampiric admirer. She's a very good dancer, said Lucy. She taught us a new waltz that she learned in Peru. The gates of the institute rose before them, its spire piercing the clouds overhead. Lucy paused at the gates, turning to Jesse. Thank you for walking me home. However, I did not hear the apology I was promised. You should not have read my book without asking. He leaned against the gatepost, or at least he seemed to. Lucy knew that he was insubstantial and the gatepost solid. No, he said, I shouldn't have. There was something about him, she thought. He was the opposite of Matthew in his way. Matthew put a bright face on every situation, even if it was dreadful, while Jessie spoke directly, never deflecting. And you should not have said I thought of you as a joke or of your situation that way, she said. All I want is to help you, to repair this. To repair death, he said softly. Lucy, you were wrong in what you said, but only when you claimed you're not like Princess Lucinda, not brave or resourceful or clever. You're a thousand times those things. You're better than any imagined heroine. You're my heroine." Lucy felt herself blush. Then why did I get so angry? It must have seemed to you that I hated the book, he said, his voice low and rapid, as if he wished to get to the end of what he had to say before his nerve failed him. Or hated your writing, or hated that character, Jethro, but it was nothing of the sort. If anything, I was jealous of the bastard. His one purpose is to say exactly what he feels. He looked up at the sky, the snow. You have to understand that I always, always assumed that you could never feel anything for me. And that is why I thought it was safe that I felt the way I did about you. Lucy stood motionless. She couldn't have moved to the charging shack demon suddenly appeared. What do you mean? She whispered. What do you mean the way you felt? He pushed himself away from the wall. He was truly agitated now, she realised, so much so that when he gestured, the movement of his hand seemed to shimmer in the air. It was something she had seen before, when ghosts became desperately upset, not that she wanted to think of Jessie as an ordinary sort of ghost like Jessamine or Old Moll. It's almost a joke, he said, and the bitterness in his voice surprised her. A ghost falling in love with a living girl and pining away in a dusty attic while she lives her life. But I could survive that, Lucy. It would just be a tragedy for me. A ghost falling in love. A small flame lit in Lucy's chest. An ember, the beginning of a blaze. It's never a tragedy to love somebody. I think Romeo and Juliet would disagree with you on that, his voice shook. And don't you see? If... If you loved me back, then that is not just a tragedy for one of us, it's a tragedy for both of us, for there can be no future in it. Jessie, she said, Jessie, are you shivering? He looked up and around him with a sort of amazement. For a moment, she saw the boy who'd saved her in Brothland Forest when she was a child, the one she'd thought was some sort of changeling prince, pale skinned and green eyed. I think, he said in a hushed voice, that at this moment, Perhaps I am able to feel the wind. See? She caught hold of his hand. It was neither warm nor cold, but seemed to catch warmth from her own skin, his fingers curling over hers. We have a future. I promise you we do. He stroked his free hand down the side of her cheek. Command me, Lucy, he said roughly. I am asking you. Command me to dance with you. Show me this waltz from Peru. Very slowly, her eyes never leaving his, Lucy unbuttoned her coat, slipping each circle of leather out of his buttonhole with gloved fingers. At last she stood before him, the coat hanging from her shoulders, the wind plastering the lacy scraps of her dress to her body. Jessie could not seem to look away, and she could feel the gold locket at her throat rise and fall with her breath. Dance with me, Jessie Blackthorne, she said. I command you. He reached out, sliding his arms inside her coat, pulling her against him. She had laid a palm against his shoulder, his free hand spanned the side of her waist. She fitted her body to his and colour swept into his face, flushing his cheeks. She did not question it. One should not, she felt instinctively, question miracles too closely. The night was hushed enchanted. They danced with only the sound of the softly falling snow as music. It dusted Lucy's cheeks, her eyelashes. She couldn't stop looking at Jesse. He was so beautiful, so awfully, terribly beautiful, like a marble carving of an angel, but no carving had such dark, tumbling hair, such secretive eyes. He held her tight against him as they danced, and for the first time she felt his body close to hers, the shape of him, the strength in his arms, the lean hardness of his chest beneath his too thin shirt. Her skirt brushed a path in the snow, though when she looked down, she could only see her own footsteps, crisscrossing each other. There was no sign at all of where Jesse had walked. She tipped her head up and found him watching her, his gaze slipping from her eyes to her mouth. It was as if his fingertips brushed her lips, shaping them, his gaze clung, neither of them looking away. The front door of the institute slammed in the distance, as if the music had stopped. They stilled, both frozen, gazing toward the courtyard don't go she whispered but there were footsteps in the path coming towards them reaching out jesse plucked a gold comb from lucy's hair closing his hand around it his eyes burned like stars against the night lucy heard her uncle gabriel's voice calling out her name and then the rattle of the gate turning away jesse vanished melting into the darkness like snow sorry that was long (laughs) i love that i just think it's so sweet it's
1: never a tragedy to love someone
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah there's like there's more like dramatic moments and funny moments but i just thought i'd pick like a nice one amongst all the chaos even though it's quite bittersweet it's very nice yeah i also just think there's something so like it's the word romantic like the fact that it's a writer falling in love with a ghost, <laughs> just the fact that she's a writer, I feel like it means so much. And I have seen that the ship name for them is Ghostwriter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just wonderful. That's amazing. So yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> sorry, that was long. I loved it. Don't be sorry.
1: What is your other
0: quick cry favorite?
1: Oh, okay. How to follow that? <laughs> so my next quick cry favorite has been the bold type. Mm, yes. I have not really watched that much TV in the last couple of months, apart from Shadow and Bone. Yeah. But the bold type, it's been recommended to me a few times because it's like, girl journalists, I'm a girl journalist, and everyone's like, you'll like this. But it looked very like hashtag girl boss, so yeah. I kind of avoided it. Yeah. But I did start it recently, and I absolutely love it. I love a show where the formula is that every episode is like a self-contained problem, mm-hmm. which like mm-hmm. usually is to do with the workplace, and then you have your running like character stories all the way through. So like things like Mad Men, where each episode a new ad campaign, or Elementary, where there's like a new murder case or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in the bold type, the main lassie has to write a new article each time, and it always like folds the story neatly into her personal life, and she learns a lesson. Yeah. So. I just loved it first of all because that structure, obviously it's not a new show, and the structure is quite nostalgic and comforting mm. um, and you don't really get that now, so I like that. But also the characters themselves are just really well written. The soundtrack is fun, it's set at a fashion magazine so the costumes are fun. The friendships in it are like mostly girl friendships and they're like really positive girl friendships, mm. which I think is a nice change after like the trends of our youth.
0: Yeah. Where it
1: was all, like, gossip girl and stuff like that. Where it was, like, toxic. There was a lot of toxic girl friendships, like, mean girls and stuff like that. Yeah. But my favourite thing so far in the whole thing is that the sort of formidable, chic lady editor of the magazine is an absolute force to be reckoned with, but she's really kind. Mm. Like, it would be so easy. She she does take the mould of, like, Miranda Priestly... From Devil Wears Prada, and it'd be so easier to make her like this cold and like cutthroat hard woman, but she's totally not. She's really shrewd and she doesn't take any shit, but she's so supportive of the young employees, Mm. and I think that that representation of having like a nice, good boss is really refreshing. (laughs) Yeah. She really reminds me of the first editor that I worked for in journalism, who was this ridiculously chic, like so what's even the word like the most elegant woman that i've ever seen in real life Mm. she used to like there is a joke between me and people that have worked for her that like she glides (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i remember being called into her office and i was like 21 or 22 and i was like oh fuck what have i done (laughs) and she just wanted to tell me that i'd done a good job and like i didn't i didn't know that she knew who i was yeah But that was, like, a very positive moment for me. And now, like, when I watch The Bold Type and there's this, like, really nice lady, I'm just like,
0: yes! (laughs) More of this! Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really liking it. (laughs) Nice! Yeah, my... I'm pretty sure my mum watches it. I have heard it's good. And the thing I've heard that's good about it on, like, Twitter and stuff is the female friendships. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, a selling point (laughs) for watching it, definitely.
1: Also, I'm only, like, on the first season. I'm not that many episodes in, but there's a really great queer storyline, mm. but I feel like the way they've done it is like, it's kind of hilarious, but it's also genius in the way that it's happening from the very first episode, but it's not the main character that's happening with. Mm. And then it just sort of really naturally, it's not like a big deal. Do you know what I mean? It, like, it's this girl, like, questioning her sexuality. Yeah. But it's not like a crisis storyline.
0: Yeah.
1: It's very much just like these friends, and then one of them's like, hmm don't know what I'm doing here and then it kind of just naturally unfolds and the other two are like all right sweet yeah and they move on with it which for the time that that was written I feel like was quite positive representation of coming out because you don't see that many like coming out narratives that aren't traumatic yeah so well you didn't anyway yeah, you're getting now more you do, but yeah, you never used to. Yeah. So yeah, I'm enjoying that about it. But like I say, people I've not watched it all, so don't come for me if it's like problematic later. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Nice. What's
1: your next one?
0: My next one is a film. It's The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Oh, I love that. Um, I was going to do an episode on this, and I may still do it one day, but it won't be this season. So I'm just going to mention it now. Mm-hmm. So this film is about two people, Mark and Margaret who are stuck in a time loop the same day repeats over and over again but they're the only people who have kind of free will within it and they decide to try and find all the perfect moments in their town so those little things you always miss because you don't have the time to look for them like a van with wings pulling up you know, behind a man on the street so he looks like an angel mm-hmm. for a split second I actually wrote down a quote when they're like talking about doing this so mark says most of life is junk right it's filler and then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect it's like life's dropping all the bullshit for just a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to i love Um, that line yeah i just think it's such a lovely idea because i feel like science fiction because that's what this film is it's like always about like saving the world. Yeah, <laughs> but this is just about like two people in a really weird circumstance, and like maybe they're falling for each other, and they just want to spend time together, like taking on this project. <laughs> Do you know what I loved about that line is that like that,
1: we- like so when we watched that film and he said that line, I was like, that's what it is to like write poetry. Mm. Is like. Because you're very rarely telling a story. Mm-hmm. You're just telling a moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like, like, that, yeah. like not all poems, but I feel like what I try and do when I'm writing poetry is sort of make a map of tiny perfect things. Yeah. Aww, um, I love
0: that.
1: Yeah. And like I, rem- I felt very emotional at that line. Because I was like... Mm. Yeah. Because there's a line out of a poem. I can't remember which poem it is right now, but I didn't write it. Someone else did. And it's like, every moment a poem waiting to be plucked.
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: and that like that film just really reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, no definitely. I also think it's like a masterclass in storytelling because it somehow doesn't feel repetitive despite a lot of the same things happening over and over again and it's also filmed in such a brilliant way with loads of extended one shots because the characters can predict exactly what's going to happen at Mm -hmm. all times So they move through the world with such a, like, ease. Yeah. Like, there's a scene where it's almost like they're dancing, like, through... Through the moments. Yeah. So, yeah, every time I've, like, watched the long opening scene, I've been like, how did they do that? They've made it look so easy. (laughs) It must have taken so long. But, yeah, what I love about this film is there's a really great... I don't want to call it a twist because it's not quite as extreme as that, but there's a moment where the story like evolves into something else mm-hmm. um, and it's just so beautiful and lovely and the film's about like accepting growing up and also a really big life lesson which I can't say because it <laughs> gives the end of the film away. But yeah, I just wanted to end with one last quote because I think it's both lovely and heartbreaking which is basically the vibe for the whole film. So Margaret says to Mark, we have all the time in the world. And he replies, no, we don't. This is not time. Time is the stuff that when you spend it, you don't get it back. That's so good. Yeah, so anyway, it's just very beautiful. And it's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it, which I recommend you do. Because it's just a very lovely like, love story, summer film... That is sad and beautiful, bittersweet and emotional. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> it
1: reminds me of, like, All the Bright Places, but not as tragic. Yeah, kind of. Like, similar it's vibe. a similar vibe yeah. of a film. But also, that first opening scene, I know, like, it made me laugh so much when I thought about this the other night. <laughs> it's like Paddington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no wonder Emily loves this so much. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's it does it is and it's like a bit like Back to the Future, which is obviously a huge mm-hmm. inspiration for it. Like there's a lot of tracking shots in Back to the Future, and like I don't know, I feel like kind of b- bit of Ferris Bueller yeah. vibes as well. Like, it's it's quite a nostalgic feeling film. Um, yeah,
1: it's really good
0: though.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's so good. Please watch. <laughs> okay, what's your next favorite? My next favorite is plants. <laughs> <laughs> this is not media (laughs) this is just that recently i've acquired a lot of plants and this has gone from like a small interest to a full-scale hobby Mm. so i've had like you know this i've had two plants for like a couple of years Mm. and they make me happy and in the last two months i've acquired nine more plants and it is honestly so fun like i'm enjoying finding out about all their different requirements Mm. and like taken some time out every few days to like water them and move them around and i haven't found a place for them all yet but that's fine <laughs> but it's given me a real appreciation for like pottering as an activity i feel yeah. like i'm going to be a really good old person mm. but i do name them all and i thought that i would ask you your opinion on some names
0: for my plants right okay yes I'm up for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the big plant in my room that you can yes. see here is called stanley Yes. And the money plant in the living room is called Stella, because street plant named Desire. Yes. My little trail of heart succulent is called Tallulah, and my peace lily over there is called Tanya. Mm-hmm. But that's because of Tallulah from Firefly Lane and Tanya, Annie Tanya from Mamma Mia. Yes. Which, shout out, completely tangential, <laughs> Mamma Mia might be the perfect film. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we do have, like, an alliteration, like, doubles thing going right, on. Right, yeah. But... I don't know whether I should stick with that or whether I should switch gears to like a literary theme for okay. the plants. Yes. Cause I here are some names that I thought would be good plant names and they're also author names. So I have Oscar. Yes. Daphne.
0: Yes.
1: Virginia. Yes. <laughs> Truman.
0: <laughs> yes. Sylvia. hmm
1: And Frank. As in Scott Fitzgerald. Yes. I don't have any more, but
0: how many more do we need? I don't know.
1: I just want to make a bank of like <laughs> okay. good plant names. So like am I missing any from like good author names? Good author names. Hmm. Got dolly. Dolly's a good name. Dolly is a good name. And I do also like Pandora.
0: <laughs> yeah, do a Dolly and Pandora. That's cute. Yeah, we probably need a Dolly and Pandora, don't we? Yeah. I have two
1: ficuses.
0: I have two in the same gonna...
1: plant. Right, Dolly and Pandora. Sorry. <laughs>
0: I think like you've got most of the good ones.
1: Yeah, I felt like I was, I was doing well. I just don't know if I was missing any. I don't really because I was trying to think of like all the gothic ones, but don't really want a Mary. Horace. <laughs> Horace is a good one. Yeah. Hmm, I'm gonna write that down just in case.
0: First gothic novel, Horace Walpole.
1: I also do like Hortense as a name. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, I'm trying to think about other gothic folk.
1: I'm not really into Bram as <laughs> a plant name.
0: So oh, I like Bram. <laughs> Sorry, Bram Stoker.
1: <laughs> I'd have to. I feel like that would have to be a quite a scary looking plant. And I don't have a scary looking plant. Maybe if I got like a Venus flytrap or something, I'd call it Bram. Yeah.
0: A lot of them are just British names, aren't they? Like you mm. got Robert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's name. Yeah, I am not, no, so. not gonna do that. Yeah, Mary, but Mary's not particularly exciting. Nah. Percy.
1: Percy's quite good. I'll write that one down too. Sweet, got a good, got a good bank of names going on here. <laughs> but yeah, this is my life now. Yeah. Uh.
0: I feel like you need like a sassy looking Lord Byron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see. I yeah. I needed this one to be because my peace lily is not a real peace lily. It's a it's an orchid that is red. <laughs> um, and I immediately just thought of Annie Tanya from yes. Mamma Mia when she's like in a red swimsuit and mm. she's singing Does Your Mother Know? Yeah. Um but yeah, tangentially I watched Mamma Mia again the other night and I do honestly i I think I've watched it more than any other
0: film at this point. Yeah. And I think it is
1: just maybe the the best one.
0: <laughs> yeah, my my sister is obsessed with Mamma Mia, like her and not her current flatmates, but like two girls that she you love with like mm. the three of them are just obsessed. They always do the Dawn and the Dynamos like pose, <laughs> but, like nights. That's hilarious. so yeah, she's she's very obsessed with Tom and me. I mean, I love it too. Yeah,
1: obviously. and also tangentially, because this isn't one of my official quick fire favorites, but Emily made me watch 10 Things I Hate About You for <laughs> tragically the first time in my life the other night, <laughs> yeah. and it changed my life. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> Can't believe I've never seen it. Can't believe I've never seen it in Kat's favourite book is The Bell <laughs> Jar. Like, yeah, so many iconic moments and if you're like me and you've somehow not seen it, you need
0: to watch it. Yeah. I told my manager that we watched it and it was your first time and she was like, why are we friends with her? <laughs> <laughs> why are you friends with me? <laughs> do you
1: know, it's because I kept thinking that it was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I know. And I don't like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I do like that. But yeah, 10 Things I Hate By You is, is better. <laughs> it's a very different film. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that was delightful. Anyway,
1: that took a turn. What's your other quick therapy?
0: Okay, my... This is the last one, isn't it? Yeah. So my last one is... Kind of 2. Basically, I've been super into Taskmaster. <laughs> it's just such a fun show. <laughs> Again, I think I've mentioned it before, but it's just a bunch of comedians... Happen to pull off ridiculous tasks and it just leads to hilarity. And I think my favourite seasons, for those who care, <laughs> are season seven, which is James Acaster's season, because I love James Acaster. Season four, which is no fielding season. So much hilarity. Mm. Season eight, which is Ian Sterling and Joe Thomas's season. It's great. But yeah, the joy of the show is that like Alex Horton, who hosts and creates it, always picks a line up where everyone like, contrast and compliment each rather so well, which is always funny. But, as well as the show, what I've been consuming a lot is the Taskmaster podcast, ah. um, which is hosted by Ed Gamble, who co-hosts another of my favourite podcasts, Off Menu. Uh-huh. Um, and he was a contestant on Taskmaster. So basically him and a guest who's either, like, a former contestant, someone involved in the show, or just, like, a big fan of the show, through each episode and discuss it and they like debate who they think should have won the tasks, <laughs> like what points they would have awarded, like or like what they would have done for the task and the guests who have been on the show also like talk about their experience so you get some like behind the scenes stuff for those people who like me who like hearing about how shows get made. Mm-hmm. So yeah it's just a lot of fun and they've only rewatched like a few seasons so far and there's Currently, 11 seasons Taskmaster, so I'm looking forward to all the content (laughs) still to come. But yeah, so Taskmaster and the Taskmaster podcast, highly recommend because they're both just like light entertainment. It is very funny.
1: Yeah. I'm not huge on stand up comedy, like, or like stand up comedians and like comedian panel shows, it's not really my jam, but when you've been watching it, I have been enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's quite funny because on the podcast, Cause it's like it's current, like they're they're doing it now. It's kind of every time anyone's on to talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, well, it was been like a lifesaver during lockdown <laughs> because like it's just light and like you don't have to think about it and it's just like kind of escapism. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> like yeah, it's just yeah, it's just fun. <laughs> and what's your last favorite? My last favorite
1: is like kind of. A lot of things, but <laughs> basically everything Dodie's doing right now.
0: Okay, So, yes.
1: you know I love Dodie. Her first full album, Build a Problem, was finally released in May. And I could go on at length about the album itself because it's beautiful and it makes me cry. But I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Because what I've actually been enjoying particularly is the amount of cool video content she's put out around it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the music videos for all the singles are great and, like, individually recommend watching all of them. They're really good. The video for Hate Myself has Dodie as a postmaster in a post office learning. Like, she has to, like, train to post letters. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. And it's based on Klaus, the Christmas film, which is an adorable film. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that love that. There's... Also, great acoustic performance videos of all the singles. So, there's a really good video of her singing her song Cool Girl in an abandoned swimming pool. And I don't know why, it's just like the visuals of the video, and obviously the acoustics are great. Yeah. And it's not, nothing's happening in it. She's just standing in the swimming pool singing. Yeah. But it's like addictive to watch. I've watched it so many times. Mm. And there's loads of, for the whole album, there's like mini music video visualizer things which were directed by Jack Howard, who I know you're a fan of. Yes. Um, which are basically just Dodie getting in the back of a taxi in loads of different costumes, but they're so gorgeous. Yeah. And even when the album got delayed because of fucking Brexit, <laughs> she managed to make a video to announce the delay mm. that had like a wee song and everything in it, which like, it was just cool. So honestly, like the all round crafting of everything she's done around the album like impresses me. I think you can tell she's really like come into her own as a creator she like believes in the stuff she's making which is nice but the best thing that she did a mini live concert that Mm. she released on youtube where she performs the four biggest songs in the album hate myself cool girl i kiss someone it wasn't you and special girl in the literal forest (laughs) in a patch of bluebells living like my cottagecore dreams (laughs) and like she's got her band there and orla gartland who's another artist that i love does the backing vocals it's like really beautifully filmed and i just really recommend anyone who needs like 17 minutes of woodland fairy vibes <laughs> just watch it it's so relaxing mm. and like pretty and inspiring yeah i loved it the album is definitely not like an energetic album it's very much like listen to it in your bedroom with candles on but she manages to put so much energy into the performance that I'm yeah. like, oh wow, that's pretty <laughs> dope. And to finish that quick far favourite, I would just like to quote my favourite lyrics from Hate Myself, which is, Filling in the gaps, build a problem that neither of us need. <laughs> Someone wrong, Something wrong with me. Mm. Which, obviously it's the album title, Build, build a problem, problem, but I love it in its context, Just is build a problem yeah. that neither of us need. <laughs> Nice. Love me some (laughs) dode. And I also have to finish us off a meme that I would like to share. Okay. So, yeah, I literally found this this morning and I was going to show you it, and then I was like, I'll just wait till we're on the podcast. (laughs) 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 Yeah. You might have seen it circulating lately. It's Ursula Le Guin's writing schedule. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. Okay, so for our podcast fans, let's just read this (laughs) out. So Ursula Le Guin obviously is like one of the biggest writers of all time, and this is her schedule: 5:30 a.m. wake up and lie there and think. 6:35 a.m. get up and eat breakfast in brackets lots. 7:25 a.m. get to work writing writing writing. Noon lunch. 1 to 3 p.m. reading music. 3 to 5 p.m. correspondence. Maybe house cleaning. 5 to 8pm, make dinner and eat it. After 8pm, I tend to be very stupid and we won't talk about this. (laughs) Which, (laughs) I just feel it in (laughs) my soul. Yeah. I really like how she has two hours carved out for reading and music. Mm. I hope that's true. I hope this
0: is a real thing. Yeah. Because it is a meme. That is like... Something I'm I actually do try to do though is like carve out time for reading because I feel like my mental health is just so much better. <laughs> Me too, but
1: like I always feel it always slips down my list of priorities, and I then I have to like make the effort to prioritize it, and then when I do, life's just so much better. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> After eight p.m., I tend to be very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel better when big names from history at this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that is us this week. Welcome to season two. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up this season, so do you think we should tease some some stuff? We've got our our usual kind of episodes, obviously. We've got a few special ones planned as well. A few guests. Yes, yeah, some, some
1: exciting guests. Yeah,
0: I think it should be really good. Uh, I hope so.
1: <laughs> I think it will. We have a feature episode coming mm. which I think
0: you guys are really gonna enjoy. Yes. Yeah um, I think so. And as always, like if you have any suggestions for us on what you would like to see, we are more than happy. We're all yours. And yeah, so if you have any comments, questions, or emails infatuatedpodcast at outlook.com. We have social media which is linked in the show notes along with everything we have talked about today including the Infatuated Mix which is all of the music that we mention. And please rate and review us on your podcast apps because that helps get the podcast out there. Give us those little
1: stars! <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good season, it's going to be a good summer even though it hasn't stopped raining (laughs) (laughs) yeah summer and it's like it's (laughs) grey. yeah but it's fine because we will we are sunny enough it's cool (laughs) um but yeah please interact with us please tell us what you want and we will try to do that for you okay
0: goodbye
1: bye